I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The Joycast. I don't know about you, but lately, when I've been going out, whether in traffic or the grocery store or to pick up takeout, I feel like there's this tension in the air. People are on edge. Maybe you felt it too. As I've shared before, sad and mad are twin emotions. While early in the pandemic, it felt like a lot of people, including myself, were sad that there was this communal grieving taking place. It feels like sad has been replaced with mad. I was recently at the grocery store and I was walking out and I saw a 30-something man just shouting into the air, I can't believe this. A family walking nearby tried to engage him. Are, are you okay? And he just went off with profanity about the pandemic and having to wear a mask to the grocery store. I happened to be parked beside him and watched him as he sped off angrily into traffic. These little outbursts are all around us. And sometimes they're within us too. Sometimes I find myself getting mad over the silliest details. I think there's something about the stress, anxiety, and fear of the unknown that have caused all of us to become more irritable and act out in anger at one time or another. My friend, Joelle Malm, knows a thing or two about anger, and more important, how to manage it well. I first met Joelle almost a decade ago when we led a trip together to hike the Scottish Highlands. Then, a year or two later, we went on an unforgettable hike through Acadia National Park in Maine. Joelle is an entrepreneur, a counselor, and a teaching pastor, and he struggled with anger for most of his adult life. In his latest book, Love Slows Down, How to Keep Anger and Anxiety from Ruining Life's Relationships, Joelle shares how anger is a gift from God when we recognize and respond to it well. He teaches us how to use this emotion as a guide and a force for good as well as gives us tactics on how to process, express, and acknowledge our anger. I cannot think of a more timely topic or a better person to help us navigate what we're seeing, experiencing, and feeling right now. For some of you who are wrestling with anger, or maybe your spouse or child or friend or neighbor is, this is an episode and a book you can't afford to miss. Thanks to Salem Books, who sponsored this episode of The Joycast. Joel, it is such a delight to have you on The Joycast. I I am so excited to be here with you, Margaret. We have taken some crazy adventures together. (laughs) Yes, they all end up crazy, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) You in your leadership and outdoor adventure, we went to Scotland. No, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we hiked the Scottish Highlands. Yep, Scottish Highlands. And then another one in Maine that was amazing. Oh my goodness, so gorgeous. We ate tons of lobster. It was so fun to be able to lead these trips um, and, and just go and open up the Bible and push ourselves physically and learn and grow and experience new cultures and flavors and tastes and sights and beauty. You are a gifted leader when it comes to taking people out into the great outdoors. Well, I, sometimes I wonder about that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm excited about your new book called Love Slows Down, How to Keep Anger and Anxiety from Ruining Life's Relationships. Because I think if there was ever a season of anxiety, I I think it's fair to say we're all in it. Yeah, did not did not plan. I, trust me, I didn't plan this two years ago when I wrote started writing the book. So wow, wow, it's incredible to see and hear how so many authors who have been working on these projects, including myself, for so long, and all of a sudden we're like, wow, God knew exactly what He was doing. Yeah, and I think one of the lies that, um, but I think that so many of us can fall into is just that that lie that says, "I can't stop worrying. I can't stop." being anxious. And one of the things that I love is you talk about this idea that each of us has core needs. We have the core need of security. We have the core need of connection. And we have the core need of control. Can you talk to us about why those are so important to have those needs met and what happens when those go unmet? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the the thing about those is there's nothing wrong with you for wanting those things. God made you to want those things but he made you to get the fulfillment of those in him. I mean, if you think about it in the garden, we had all of those before sin entered the world, perfect security. They're in a garden, a perfect connection with God, so much so that he walked with them in the cool of the day. I mean, that would be, <laughs> I mean, that's like ultimate connection, right? Hanging out with God in the afternoon. Um, and then, uh, then there's this, I, the control idea is really an empowerment. Uh, the word, we chose the word control because it, it has a, Kind of, we can all relate to that. And really, control is simply this idea of free will, autonomy. You get to make your choices. And God meant for us to have all of that in him. And of course, when sin, sin entered the world, um, we were separated from the source of that. Uh, we, made the, we made our choice. Adam and Eve made the choice, and it separated us. And what immediately we felt was fear. And so that's, where, that's the root of all of our fear. It comes from not getting security, the connection, or the control or empowerment that we're looking for. And I tell people all the time, there's nothing wrong with you for wanting those things. It's just the way you're made. It's the way you're wired. The question is, where are you trying to get those needs met from? And if you're trying to get them met from anywhere other than the perfect love that drives out fear, um, you're gonna, it's going to fall short. Our spouse can't ever provide it for us. Uh, our kids can't provide it for us. Our job can't provide it for us. What we know, what we do, what we have will never bring the security the connection, the, you know, the connection is that relationship with others that we need, the, the esteem, the value we feel, feeling seen. Um, what, you're never going to get that. It, you, you can look to your spouse for it, your kids, but you, it'll always fall short because the only place you're going to find it is in perfect love, God's perfect love. And I think what happens sometimes is that when we aren't getting these needs met in that place, and also through healthy relationships and the way that God has wired us in community with others, is that we start believing these these false things like, I, I can't stop worrying, I need to be in control all the time, and we start striving to lay hold of that. And one of the things you do so well is you break down kind of what happens when these needs aren't met. Uh, when it comes to security, you write that, you know, if we don't have that sense of security, we can feel abandoned. We can feel vulnerable. We can feel threatened, in danger, belittled, alone, ganged up on. Uh, you write about the connection. And when we don't have that, we can also, you know, feel invalidated, unloved, rejected. And, and that fear can really start driving us. And then with control, you know, you talk about how when we we lose that sense of control or we don't hand that over to God and re- recognize that he is in control, we can feel embarrassed, humiliated, ignored, helpless, powerless. Uh, and that this can take such a heavy toll on our relationships. 
what have you, in what ways have you struggled with these in your own life? Is there one that you tend to struggle with the most? Oh yeah. Mine's control. Mm, me <laughs> so, too. Me too. Uh, it's the control thing. And, and you know, the, the crazy thing about it is, you know, in the biblical sequence, um, when you see fear show up in Genesis three, immediately the next chapter, you see anger and it shows up in the children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And whenever there's fear, it's always going to lead to you trying to take back what you, what you feel threatened in. And anger is this anger and frustration. We found that people who are sensitive to that connection corner, they actually like to call it frustration because they've seen anger do real damage. So they don't want to call it anger, but it, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's feeling blocked in a goal of something you need. And when the way you can always know what, what your ish, what your uh, corner there is, the, the specific need that you feel really sensitive to is what makes you angry. And I'll tell you what, man, traffic, I lose it, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I said control, but do you know what, what, what upsets me? And it's a quiet, I guess, anger, but it's not, not feeling a part of. So mm. I, it may for me be connection. That, that could be a connection. Yeah. And, and you don't, you know, they don't, again, anger, uh, anger and frustration show up in so many different forms. I talk about that in the book, that there's all these different ways that it expresses itself. Um, but the reality is that the, the, the important thing is it's got to be expressed. And I think one of the, the lies we believe is that, you know, to be a good godly person is to bottle it up and just ignore that you're feeling these negative things, but you can be a good godly person, uh, and, and, and still express what's bothering you, the thing that's making you afraid, the thing that's making you angry, but you've just got to do it with, from the right from the right angle. And that, that's where I talk about the importance of consulting that anger because anger is just a sign. It's not a sin. It's just a sign that something inside of you, whenever you get angry at something happening out uh, around you, it's always because of something happening inside of you. And what's happening inside of you is that fear has been pricked, that fear of not getting the security, the connection or the control that you want. And it, it leads to frustration, feeling blocked goals. And we have all sorts of weird ways of responding to it. Some of us stuff it down until it blows up into like a volcano eventually. But um, it, it's something we have to address. We, we, we have to address that fact that, that all of us feel in some way threatened in those three areas. And right now is a season of great threatening. If, if, if I can just, I mean, most of us feel threatened in some way. I was recently having a conversation with many of our listeners and just hearing from them and asking the question, what, what right now is riling you up? What is causing you to spin out? And it was interesting because, you know, it was just, it, we had the conversation on Instagram and Facebook, but, but it was things like everything from masks or no masks, being a healthcare worker and having people not take, you know, uh, COVID seriously. It was parents um, with the struggle of sending their back kids back to school or not being able to. It was teachers saying, I don't want to go back to work or I really do, or I don't want to work on the online. I mean, it was just so much for some, you know, the anger and the threat was they've seen kind of a, a cultural kindness seem to evaporate in many places and feeling the, the cruelty and the response of so many around who feel threatened. What advice and wisdom do you have for the person who says, you know what, I have... I can identify what is riling me up right now, what is setting me spinning. How can they help bring that anxiety and anger back into a healthy place and space? Well, so I, I, there's kind of, I come from two angles at it in the book. First of all, I deal with the, let's, how, how do we like practically manage your anger? So one of the things I talk about is recognizing um, 
well, first of all, like, first of all, you, you don't respond in your anger because whenever you get angry, what happens um, neurologically is all of the energy shifts from the prefrontal cortex of your brain. That's the rational part where you, you're, you're the smart part of your brain. And it shifts to the kind of the more primal cortex where you just kind of go into this fight or flight mode and you can't really make rational decisions when you're, when you're angry or when you're afraid. So um, what you have to do is you have to slow down, which is part of the reason I call it love slows down. So much of our, so many of our problems come down to we just kind of barrel ahead when we've got these warning signs. So the, there's the practical side of it. You slow down. Um, and then there's also the idea of you, you need to know the patterns to your anger. And uh, one of the things I talk about a lot is that, you know, in August, like check-ins at hospitals for uh, behavioral issues go through the roof. And we're actually going to, we're even seeing more of it this year because there's, there's a lot of components that come together in August that lead to a lot of anger. And some people don't realize just how seasonal our anger is. Um, for me, August is hard because I live in Texas. And so it's kind of like being in the seventh level of Dante's hell. Um, <laughs> it, it's really, really, really hot. Um, and so it's super hot here and heat actually they've shown heat creates violence. It increases violence up to about the mid eighties. Heat, uh, violence tapers off in the mid eighties. I think at that point we get too tired to do anything about it, but, um, there's, there's the increase in heat. There's August school coming decisions to make about school. There's also the fact that your kids have been home for three months at this point. And at this point with COVID, some of our kids have been home for you know, five, six months. And you're just like, oh my gosh, something's got to give here. Um, you've also got all the bills that start stacking up in August for stuff for school, school supplies, high electric bills, high, all these high bills, high water bills or whatever, because your kids have been playing in the sprinkler outside. And all these things compound to make August a real month of anger, which I, so I've been warning people, hey, just be aware that there's a lot of stress right now that could lead to your anger in August. Some people, Christmas, holidays really make them angry, like because you know you get around that one family member that, well, you moved away from them for a reason, right? So there's there's all of these 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 seasonal elements to it. There's also elements of like what are the places you go that make you angry, and you need to be aware of these things because for like for me, when, <laughs> Emily, you know my, you know Emily, sweet Emily. Um, whenever we're about to go into traffic and it's five o'clock, she'll kind of pull me aside, square me off, put her hands on both my shoulders, look me in the eye. And she'll say, Joel, it's five o'clock. There's going to be traffic. It's going to be okay. We can talk. We can hang out in the car. It's going to take a long time to get there. Stay calm. And that's, you know, it's ridiculous, but sometimes I have to remind myself, oh, I'm going into a situation that has in the past been very prone to get me very riled up. And sometimes it's getting your kids ready on for school every morning. And it's just that same thing over and over again. You're like, why do I always get so angry? And sometimes you can do proactive things beforehand, the night beforehand to help get things ready for the next day. Or if maybe going to church, I hear so many people say they're like, our worst fights happen on the way to church. Because <laughs> trying to get all the kids rounded up, ever the family get to get to church on time, and you end up yelling at each other the whole way there and you get to church all mad at each other. But that's just the reality of where we're at. And there's a lot a lot of patterns come, come to our anger. So there's the practical thing of how to control your anger, you slow down, what, what kind of brings control to it. And then there's also knowing the patterns to it. And then on the, in the long picture, which is the second half of the book, I talk about really allowing your anger to be kind of a, a guide for you that, that shows you areas of your life. You just, you've got to surrender to God. You've got to let it go. Um, because that's the ultimate goal is we want to be transformed in his image. And one of the crazy things about anger is it can actually become a gift when you say, okay, God, clearly 
I'm trying to take back control of my life. True, clearly, I'm trying to get connection from a place that's not working. Clearly, I'm not getting the security I need. You feel that anger rising up and you can say, okay, Lord, I need to surrender it to you. And in the long term, um, you've got to, sometimes you got to make some changes. Sometimes you've got to, in section three, I talk about creating space in our lives. And I talk to so many people in my coaching and counseling who their greatest cause of anger and frustration is what they say they value versus what's actually getting their best time, energy, and money aren't matching up. And there's a constant point of tension. And there, there's this, you know, there's always a fight with their spouse or, and one of, uh, there's a lady I was, I shared this concept with at, at a, a church and she came up afterwards and she said, you know, I, I had a realization of why I'm, we have so much anger in my house right now. She said, um, you know, I, I raised my son by myself for 12 years and it's been me and my son. So my priorities have been my son, work, and she's like, but God recently allowed me to get married. And she said, but I know we're always fighting about my son. And she's like, I realized that, you know, the biblical order is kind of out of line here. She's like, I'm actually putting my son over my spouse. And I think that's causing a lot of our discord and our anger. And she said, I, she was realizing, you know, when, when I talk about in the book, I say, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what you're actually wanting to do is you want to seek his order. What does he say the order things should be in? And when you get in line with that, the anger, the fear goes away because you get on the right side of his order. Um, but when we're out of order of that, a lot of times it creates anger. And a lot of times what we've got to do is we've got to let go of our old mindsets of, you know, it's a moving target. The problem is with, with a lot of this sometimes, you know, new values come in and they have to, certain seasons of life, you have to give energy to certain things that you didn't have to before. Um, and when new values come in, you've got to let go of, of some of your old ways of thinking about it or anger shows up. I know for me, uh, when my daughter showed up, I was always that guy that was like, oh yeah, but when I have kids, it won't be that way for me, right? I'll just keep up my really breakneck pace. And I found a lot of low-grade anger showing up inside of me, kind of just hanging out there. And it, well, I wasn't angry at my daughter. I wasn't angry at my spouse. I was just kind of angry at myself that I couldn't get as much done. And what it was is, you know, I set some goals for myself in my 20s. And that was before I was married. <laughs> that was before I knew any, I didn't really even know who I was at that point. Um, that was before I had kids and all these new values showed up, but I didn't adapt my life to the new values. And it created a lot of anger in my thirties. And I, I meet a lot of men, particularly in their forties, they, they get a lot of anger because um, they haven't realized that a lot has changed. There's some new values and sometimes you got to let some things go. Otherwise you're just constantly on overload. And when you're constantly on overload, you can count on anger and, and anxiety showing up. You got to create that space to where you're giving your best time energy and, and, and resources to what's, the, what's most important. Otherwise, anger will show up. So there's, there's a lot of ways that this love slows down, not just practical things of, of how to you know, calm yourself when you get angry, but it's also really creating a lifestyle of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and, and self-control. All those fruit of the spirit is what we want. But what gets in the way oftentimes is those, those immediate threats to our, our basic needs. And we start seeking to have our needs of security, connection, and control met rather than seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because that's what Jesus said. He said, you know, I know you need all those things. I made you to need those things. I know you're looking for what to wear, how you're going to provide for your family. But I'm telling you, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, seek my order, seek what I say is most important. And all that other stuff you're worried about, your security, your connection, your control, I, I guarantee I'll provide that for you. One of the things that I love about Love Slows Down is that it's such an ideal resource for married couples, for roommates, for parents and their children. 
you know, as they try to process where is this anxiety coming from? Where is this fear coming from? Where, where is this, this presence of these opening up the, uh, the space to start to believe lies that are simply not true? I, I know one area of your book that I really appreciated was um, really thinking about fear because there's such a correlation, as you said, between fear and anger and, and obviously, you know, compadre with anxiety. But I think it's not just the moments that we spike in fear that are really loud threats, like, you know, a virus or your boss saying, we're going to have to let some people go, but that there are these underlying ones that you identify so well. And it's questions like, what if my best days are behind me? What if I can't give my kids a better life than my parents gave me? What if I'm not enough? What if I don't have what it takes to do this? What if I try and fail? Uh, what if I never achieve my dreams and this is as good as it gets? And so these aren't the fears that I think are just in your face, abrupt, spiking a 10 on the fearometer. These are these low grade ones that can reside in us and, and do a lot of damage. Can you speak to those? Yeah. I, you know, we don't, I don't think we, we knowingly sit around thinking these things, but whenever we feel, well, I mean, the, the weight of, kind of what's going on around us and we start to look at the reality of what it looks like in our everyday life, you start to ask these questions. And um, it can lead to, you know, there's there's different kinds of anxiety. I talk about that. Um, like for me, it, it, it kind of shows up as an, an impending doom. And you just say that with a lot of echo, impending doom. <laughs> um, when I wake up in the morning, everything's fine. Uh, but something in me is just like, oh no, something bad. Um, like something bad's going to happen. But I, for a lot of people, these questions, they show up in, in what, what I find a lot of times is in, in indecision. Sometimes indecision can be a sign of fear. And so you, you want the best for your family. You want to make the best decisions for your family. But there's this thing in the back of your mind saying, what if you choose wrong and you end up again like the, what if you can't provide a better life for your, for your kids than your parents did for you? And you know, what if you... You know, what if you guys end up poor and destitute or whatever it may be? And a lot of times indecision, actually I've seen through, I've been doing counseling now for about 12 years, but I've seen that whenever there's indecision, there's always some fear behind it because you're wondering what if I make the wrong decision? Or there's also this fear of missing out. Hey, if I commit over here and something better comes along, I might miss out on the better thing. So these questions show up in that response. Another way they show up is in checking out. Um, I've talk to a lot of people lately. They're like, man, all I want to do is binge watch TV. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, it makes sense because that tends to be a sign of fear. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty and you just say, man, I don't, you know, what's the point? Maybe you've tried to get control of things. And I've, I've found particularly with control folks like me, if, if can, whenever something like this strikes, you go, well, there's nothing that can't be fixed if I just don't control and manipulate more. <laughs> but, but then there's people that go the other way and they say, well, what's the point? Like, what's the point of even trying? Like everything we've tried is just failing. I've been trying to get another job. You know, nothing is working out. And what ends up happening is you just decide, well, I'm just going to check out. And some people check out watching TV, other people, you know, some sort of substance uh, abuse. And there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, giving yourself a break. But if it becomes a, a pattern that ends up causing you to kind of check out from taking some responsibility for some things that need to be done, um, and a lot of times it's because these big questions linger in our head. Like, what if, I, what if I'm not enough? And so instead of letting yourself down and at least trying, 
just say, well, I'm not even going to try because then I'll know what to expect, right? But if I try and then I fail, I'll, I'll feel as bad about myself as I, I think I would. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes back to what you've said already that it is, it is a matter of trust, you know, in all of these areas, both when we peg the high 10 in fear and anxiety and anger and when we're, it's a low grade, but that sense of trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And I love that your book is such a practical and equipping and yet Christ-centered gift of empowering leaders. Well, that, that was the goal. Um, I, I, you know, so many, so many times I, w- I would write, I'm like, man, I want to I make this a, a, a broad, appealing book to people. And as I get into it, I'm like, you know, there's only one cure for all of the fear and anxiety we have, and it's Jesus. And you can't skirt around that issue. Uh, there, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. It's uh, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. There's just so much in the Bible talking about these, these core issues at the heart of, of us, these kind of primal emotions we feel. So for listeners who want to learn more, grab a copy for themselves, maybe their spouses, maybe they know somebody in their life who's just red hot mad or struggles with anger. Um, how do they find out more about your book? Where, where should they go? Um, well, you know, it's available at, you know, all the Barnes and Noble, Amazon. I've got a website for it as well. Love slows down.com. And, um, there's some group resources there. You talked about, you know, for, if you'd get together and do it as a group, I've got a lead, a free leader's guide on there. So you could get some friends together and, um, you know, help them deal with their anger issues. You know, you don't have anger issues, but you can help them deal with theirs and you can <laughs> use the small, the small group guide. Um, that's on there and love slows down and there'll be some other resources that I'll be putting up there. Um, we were actually working on a test, uh, that's, you can take a quick little test, like a 15 question test, and it'll show you maybe which of those is your, your anger or fear type, whether it's that security sensitivity or the connection or the control. Oh, that is so good. And if people want to learn more about you, Joelle, at joelmalm.com, J-O-E-L-M-A-L-M.com. Awesome. Oh, guys, you've got to go and get this resource. And if it's not for you, I know you know somebody who needs this. Joelle, thank you so much for being on the Joycast. Thank you. <laughs>